0: Hello, this is Matt Morone, the worship pastor here at Glen Owen Bible Church. You're listening to the Next Level Podcast. Today we're going to answer listener questions from Sunday, April 10th, 2022.
1: Hey everyone, I'm John Vanderveld.
2: Hi, I'm Simone Halpin. And
1: I'm Kelly Brady, and this is the Next Level Podcast. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. It's been a minute. It's been, been a, a couple minute. weeks. Good to be back together. Mm-hmm. Hey, did you guys enjoy the 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 kids in worship Sunday? That was precious.
0: It was so, so much fun. fun. Yeah.
1: To yeah. quote Matt, what'd you say? The cute factor?
0: The oh maximum cuteness. The maximum yes. cuteness. It yeah. was.
1: It's great mm-hmm. to have kids. Mm-hmm. And to think about Jesus receiving children and receiving praise from children, and the opportunity we have as parents to point our kids to Jesus—it was it was yeah. a beautiful morning. Mm-hmm. I was. gave
2: I gave Liv this whole pep talk about how she was going to be leading worship at church this morning. How like old yesterday. is she? She's five. Oh, it's oh it's five. So, I fun. Know, it's so fun! So fun, implanting that in her while yeah, she's young. Yeah,
0: yeah. Um, man, it was uh, like they could get up and just be up here in wave Palm Ranches, right? And it would be awesome. They were like super prepared. Right. They I mean, knew their songs. We want to song. give a shout out to you yeah. know, yes. Janet, to our children's Amy. ministry. Yeah. Like yeah. The kids were ready. They knew the songs. They sang loud. Yeah. Granted, there was 150 of them, <laughs> but like, it was great. Like they, they were ready. I thought yeah. that that was awesome. Yeah. Um, so one, one quick uh, thing to our listeners today. So we, um, we had uh, some systems that were down. So we are recording on our backup system today. So you may not experience the clear-cut quality audio that I'm accustomed to
1: bringing you every day. <laughs> um, let's, uh, let's
0: get let's get And editing
1: might be a little more difficult, right? <laughs> so we're trying to get this in one take.
0: <laughs> totally, totally. Um, okay, let's, let's get into some questions. First up, I don't understand how the chief priests and teachers of the law could be indignant about what Jesus was doing. How does that happen? Couldn't they just see the good that he was doing?
1: Do you guys run into folks? Um, I guess we all do. We run into folks and we've, you know, we've probably had times in our life when we were resistant to Christ and didn't see the good that he was doing. Healing people in the temple, I find so convincing. Um, good Friday's coming up and James Krinsky's gonna do a drama yeah. where he's Malchus, who he's the high priest servant who gets his ear cut off by Peter. <laughs> and Jesus picks his ear up and puts it back on his head. They go ahead and arrest him. I I think that would, if I were a soldier, I'd say, I'm not arresting a guy who can heal that way. I'd find that so convincing. I think I'd find that convincing, but Mm -hmm. yeah, the chief priests were indignant. And do y'all bump into that socially where people are put off by the goodness of God in Christ?
2: In that scenario, it makes me think that they were just intimidated by him and his power. And so it's almost like they were trying to- Yeah, maybe afraid. Squash it, yeah, yeah. yeah. If this guy has this much power, we gotta get rid of him. That's what I how I interpret that scene. Yeah.
1: I mean- The I just, disciples were in the boat with Christ and, and they were afraid of the storm and then he calms the storm and then they're afraid of Jesus who has power over storms.
2: Right, so, Right. yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: I, uh, what,
1: it helps me to think about
0: how many generations of these guys had been doing what they had been doing mm. before Jesus showed up. Yeah. Their Pretty fathers, entrenched. their father's fathers, their yeah. great grandfathers. Like, I mean, a long time they were doing the same things to, you know, be right with God, right? And then this guy comes and basically says, like, he's not saying you don't have to do that stuff, but he kind of is in a way
1: too, you know? Yeah. And I, that's just, I, when I think about it like like that, then... Well, and he's turned over all the tables and kicked out the animal vendors and the money changers. I mean, he's upsetting.
0: And he did call them out several times. Oh, yeah. Uh, Yeah. So, you know, like when I start thinking about it in terms of that, it's like, I I could see how their eyes were just blind to what he was doing. Mm -hmm. And they're just, you know, I mean, they had a lot of power, right? Like, And it seemed like their power was going to be taken away from their perspective.
1: So I I think you're probably onto something. Uh, When our power is threatened, so the question is, couldn't they just see the good he was doing? I think when our power is threatened, and I think my individual power, my power over my own life, in in other words, the call to submit to Christ, we can grow indignant, which means to be angered by or annoyed by his claim over our lives. Um, It's interesting, you know, the culture loves the heroic, Christ marches into town. Um, he's hailed as a king, goes to the temple, exercises his authority, heals people, but they don't, they're not drawn to that heroic for some reason. I think it's because Jesus had claims on their life. Everybody, or many people are watching Tiger Woods in the Masters, and it's a heroic comeback uh, against all odds, and people celebrate that. Even if you're not even if you've not been a Tiger Woods fan, you can you could acknowledge Man, that's, he's done something heroic here. He's pushed through and persevered. And, but for some reason, and I think it is his claim over our life, Jesus' claims over our life, if we're not careful, we can respond, well, people don't like hearing that Jesus has a claim over their life because of
3: who he is. Um, it's interesting. I've, I've often wrestled with the question of why didn't people in the first century who were there... Like, why wasn't there this overwhelming acknowledgement that Jesus was the Messiah? I mean, right. you know, the, the healings, the miracles, the crowds of thousands of people and the fish multiplying. Like, why wasn't there that? Like, why is there, why was, why did they, one, not acknowledge, two, then go on to reject, three, and go his on heat. to murder? Right. So, like, the, the path of, like, over a three year period, uh, Is it's you know we sort of we can kind of beat up those first century Jewish followers the Pharisees all that and say like what do you guys how did you miss this I mean it's all written in Isaiah and you guys had that scroll and you and he read from that you know like how did you not put it all together and I don't have the crystal clear answer but there's so many interesting historical things going on I mean Josephus the like first century scholar who was a historian and kind of wrote all these events down, they aren't in the Bible, but he's a well-known figure, he said over a dozen people in Jesus' life alone claimed the same status, Messiah status. Right. They were marching into Jerusalem fairly regularly. Yeah. Yeah. So there's this, like, oh, wow, that adds, like, a whole other layer to the onion. Like, as you peel back everything and you're like, why didn't they, you know? And then, Matt, to your point, I mean, the holding on of authority, the assumption of those people at that day, I mean, they over, you know, 400 years had practiced a certain law and had, it wasn't correct necessarily the, the re, you know, the reasons why they were doing it, but it was like, man, this is an upheaval. And is this guy really worth following? If you think about like in our modern context, I mean, there's been people in our day and age who have claimed to be the Messiah. Yeah. And it's like, immediately, they're wacko. <laughs> That's funny he said. Literally, they're sure. from wacko. But, <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's interesting to, to try to put yourself in that position, all that was going on historically, the assumptions of what Jesus was going to do. As yeah. a, you, you said it, Kelly, on Sunday, like, he was going to be a, a, a political figure. He was going to, the Messiah was supposed to be this kick out Rome and take back our land, and that wasn't the case, and I'm not giving them a pass at all. I mean, right. but, but it is interesting to think about, man, it, it, Jesus was particularly hard on the class of people that are, that are recognizing the question, mm-hmm. the high priests and the mm-hmm. teachers of the law. Jesus didn't give those guys much of a pass. It doesn't it, seem like it. It doesn't seem like it at yeah. all. I mean, you're, you know, twice the sons of hell, <laughs> you know, he says in Mark. Like, there's just, like, a lot of, lot of things that they obviously missed. But it's interesting to think about what it would have been like mm. to have seen Jesus, to, to watch him. Like, the people in the crowd, are they, like, did some of them leave their coat on the road and then come back later and be like, I really hope that that was it. Like, I hope he's him. Right. You know, or were they like just drawn up in it and totally skeptical and unbelieving and were part of the crowd three days later that said, crucify him, crucify him. I mean, it's,
0: have you guys thought, this is just a question that kind of popped into my head as you were talking, John, have you you thought about um, like the, the role of the Holy spirit in, in this time when Jesus is, on, on our earth, walking around, ministering to people, healing people, and people are believing, um, you know, because, you know, Pentecost hasn't happened yet, uh, you know, Acts hasn't happened yet, the Holy Spirit coming, like, how, how do you, how do you guys think, talk about that? About
3: the Holy Spirit. Like the
0: Holy Spirit's role in in, oh, the without people, a doubt. in the people around Jesus, believing in Jesus in that moment, seeing yeah, physical so signs, wonders, so miracles. So he says, flesh and
1: blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who's in heaven. So even Peter's confession of Christ is, is a supernatural, revelatory insight uh, given by the Holy Spirit, and Christ is, is with him there. So you yeah. know, the Spirit's at work. and yes. And obviously, I, I we've already we, seen
0: the Holy Spirit's role with, in the baptism right. when Jesus is baptized. So we know he's right. present. And So
1: I, 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 to John's point, I think that we probably would not have fared any better if we had been there except the Holy Spirit open our eyes to understanding. I mean... To the extent we resist Christ today, Paul writes in Galatians that the the flesh resists the spirit. So the spirit has to overcome the flesh in our lives to um, to soften us yeah. to to the claims of Christ mm-hmm. on our lives.
0: Yeah, because it does seem a little different to picture Jesus standing right here, you know, doing something miraculous. And let's say there's ten of us and not all 10 people would believe. Like, that, that seems ludicrous. It seems like, of course, mm-hmm. uh, all 10 people would believe if you saw him right here. But that is what happened with
1: a yeah. lot of people. And not
0: everybody that witnesses
1: miracles believed. And so, when, when Christ healed 10 lepers, only one came back to say thanks. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. I, you've got to ask yourself, you know, um, <laughs> how many will really recognize him as the Messiah? Right.
2: right. I don't know if this is totally applicable to the question, but... Last week I read in John eight, when um, Jesus uses that, or he says, the truth will set you free, which is a scripture we, I feel like we maybe overuse or misuse. Um, And I realized that he's actually talking to the Jews in this section when he says, um, so Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, who had believed him, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. And I think I never really realized until last week when I read this, that he was speaking to the Jews. And I wonder Mm. if it's sort of applicable in this situation where people who knew the law, people who had been Mm. devout to following the law to the best of their ability, and, and now it feels like that has been shaken because Jesus says, I've fulfilled it. And so I think it goes back to what you were saying, Kelly, about power and this um, it, this this struggle sometimes we have with submission mm. to
1: sometimes. Jesus as Lord,
2: yeah. And so I thought that was such a relevant um, insight that mm-hmm. that verse, that scripture about being free, because we long for that, is actually given to mm. these to the Jews, to the religious leaders, and that is where we find freedom. Is when we what Jesus is saying here is. Um, if you abide in me, mm. uh, which is I feel like counterintuitive to those Jewish leaders because mm. they were trying to follow the law on their own works for freedom. For freedom, right? Yeah. But Jesus says it's in me. So anyway, I don't know. I don't know if this is if it connects. But I was just thinking as as you were talking about this. I think it does power. connect. I yeah. think
1: we resist Christ. We resist His power. His even to some extent His healing because we want autonomy. Mm-hmm. We mm-hmm. we want. Yeah uh, our flesh resists the spirit because we want control, mm-hmm. and he calls us to himself to bear the yoke uh, for our joy and for our freedom, but there's a trust there that has to, a submission that has to take place.
2: It's so upside down. It is: It is, but yeah. it ta- you know it's for freedom the crisis set us free. Yeah. so:
0: All right, uh, let's go to the next one. I love the prophetic parade concept. I try to talk about Jesus and my faith in him, but honestly feel like no one is interested. No one ever
1: asked me about my faith. What should I do? I, I think I can resonate with that. I, I, I don't think it's uncommon to feel like, I really want to share my faith, and no one's asking, or I can't, I can't find conversations out there in my spheres of influence and on my street this week, uh, we've got some new neighbors or neighbors in the last year that we're just getting to meet because of winter where everybody hides in the house. And so we were introducing ourselves and I just think it's, it can be hard to get into spiritual conversations. And, um, so I, I would say to the listener, the, the person asking the question here, you know, first of all, don't grow discouraged. Uh, if you're out there and you're talking about your faith in Christ and you're, you're sharing your faith, even if no one's picking up on it and, and engaging you in conversation, I, I would say keep sowing your, the seed, keep, keep raising the banner of Jesus. Um, it, sowing seeds is an important part of the evangelistic work. Paul said in 1 first Corinthians that I, I planted and Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. In other words, we played different roles in the evangelistic work. Um, and so, just you know, things as simple as letting people know. I often like to ask, "Are you a churchgoer?" And to see where they're at, are they warm to things of faith? And um, and so, even if they don't respond to that or they don't get in on that, you know, I I'm ra- I'm doing the best I can to to plant seeds, sow seeds, um, and just because you don't see immediate results, don't doesn't mean you're not having an impact. I, I would say pray, keep praying. The evangelistic effort always, always starts with prayer, and I would say pray very specifically. Heavenly Father, I want to share my faith with my new neighbor named John Doe, whatever. So, I man, that's a prayer God wants to answer. So, Sherry and I were talking on our street. We uh, we're gonna tr- we're gonna try Friday night fire pit where we just we light the fire pit in our front yard. And we told these new neighbors, we were meeting down the road, Marcus and Jess We say, Hey, we're going to try this Friday night fire pit thing. If y'all want to come down, they just moved out from this city with little ones. And they seemed warm to that, but just trying to get out there and, and we need to be praying. Father, we'd love to share. Our, I don't know where Marcus and Jess are at. We didn't get into it when we were talking to him Sunday, but father, I want to share my faith with Marcus and Jess. And so just be very specific in prayer. Start with prayer. go ahead no.
2: <laughs> I was going to say Marcus and Jess if you're listening hello
0: <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say I actually know what church they attend but. oh
2: good <laughs> <laughs> you just Do never you? know Matt, Do you?
3: Matt witnessed we, to them over the oh. week <laughs> <You've laughs> they success. moved to the wrong street <laughs> oh. Share, sharing your faith in a place like Wheaton and, I, and every place is unique I don't I don't have a lot of people asking me even if they know I'm a pastor Hey, tell me about your faith. Like <laughs> I was thinking the same. It thing. It just doesn't happen as, as regularly, you know. It I feel like it's it's a long, slow burn of intentional relationship yeah. that isn't about me trying to sell them my faith, right? It's like like
2: you're, you need to, you're building trust over yeah, time,
3: right? And and we've seen people come to to us or have interactions. I'm just thinking of our neighborhood because of the long, slow, you know, yeah. kind of burn. Like, we had a neighbor, a couple doors down, came, a- asked me for prayer one day. I've never prayed with her. I mean, I, you know, but she had a, a, diagnosed with a tumor on her ear, and, like, it's just like, a, she just, wanted, you know? So it's like, but we've been friends for a decade, just in the neighborhood, you know? I, th- I feel like that's probably more, common in our world and maybe maybe it's different in other places I don't I don't know but it seems like the the intentionality to go meet a new neighbor that moves into your neighborhood and the intentionality to invite them to get to know them to be actually genuinely interested in who they are and their life period yep and that they would see your life and be interested in your life period without like the agenda of I can't wait for them to ask me that faith question because boom,
0: I'm going to unload. Yeah. <laughs> right. yeah, yeah, that's usually not the way it plays out.
3: Yeah. I
1: mean, well, if, I mean, to your point, John, I do think we should love people for the people they are, not the project we want yeah, them to be.
3: right, right. Yeah. And I get it. There's tension and uni- you know, like if faith is a huge part of our life, I mean, we're going to want to share it. It's mm. going to come out. It's mm. going to, but there is definitely a, a way of, of um, being true and genuine in relationship and, I mean, I think of our family. and I mean, our family's had high moments and low po- moments in our neighborhood. Let's be honest, right? <laughs> like there's five children.
2: And, and, and Shining and, moments. And, and, and a, you know,
3: we've had everything from, you know, balls that went in, you know, the backyard and you got to knock on somebody's door. And well, your kids are pretty loud. And you're like, yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> just, just give me my ball. <laughs> and then great interactions. I mean, yeah. we, you know. So that's just life—living life, being open, being available, being intentional where you can be—and yeah. I think God honors some of that long, faithful, oh, absolutely, hundred mm-hmm. you know? percent. I can give a
0: real tangible example of this to the question asker or anyone interested in this, uh, on, and how it played out for me. Uh, so I played in in this band out when I was living in the city, and I was working for the church. So I was working for the church. It wasn't the most holy of schedules. I was working for the church Sunday through Thursday, and I would play in this band on Fridays and Saturdays. And um, and we played all over the Chicagoland area. We had a lot of trips. We had a lot of overnights or you know whatever. And on the Sundays where I would have to lead, if we had a show out of town or whatever, um, I would have to drive back after the show. And a lot of times, a couple people would want to come back, or whatever. Now, in those moments, I might say something like, Hey, I for me to stay up, man, I got to listen to a, like a, a sermon or something, you know? And to be like, hey, this guy's name's John Piper. And we're going to listen to this sermon. And most of the time they'd sleep. One guy was like, would listen to him and go, wow, this guy's really smart. But my point is, um, I'm still really good friends with all of these folks. And I became really good friends with them. They clearly know I work for a church because a lot of times I'm like, oh, I can't do that show. Or, oh, we, I got to get back. Can someone drive with me? You know? So they know what I'm doing. Uh, and over the course of the five years and getting to know them well, Life is going to happen, and I'd say with each of the ones I was closest with, I I ended up having being uh, afforded the opportunity to to talk to them and be their friend in some of their most difficult moments, Mm. from losing a parent to you know losing a boyfriend or girlfriend. Which, if you're 21, that feels like the end of the world. And but but still, for them, relatively speaking, that was a you know big deal or whatever. And so. it, it was, um, I got to be the designated driver every time we were, you know, after a show, if people needed to, you know, whatever. And I ended up becoming that person that was dependable and that was consistent. And because of that, I did end up in conversations and it wasn't like, oh man, I'm so sorry that you, um, you know, your boyfriend broke up If you or I'm so sorry that you lost your father. Let me share you about, let, let me share Christ with you. It wasn't that, it was just like, oh man. And you, in those moments you get to, minister to them and be their friend and speak some truth but you don't have to you know go into the intricacies of your faith in Christ and yeah. it may come up but um yeah I would like to think that after that 5 year period some really good some good conversations were had and some good seeds were planted and yeah I mean I got to talk about Jesus uh some but yeah those those moments are really important. That's for me, if you're really someone's being someone's friend over a long period of time, like what John was talking about, like those moments are going to happen mm-hmm. where you're going to be able to be there. Mm-hmm. And
1: sometimes just being there is a huge witness. Yeah. Eugene Peterson, a, a beloved pastor, uh, had a, the phrase he he talked about a long obedience in the same direction in yeah. this notion that we're following after Christ we're taking the long view here faithfulness over a lifetime and I love that I think that's beautiful yeah
0: and I I would talk about it, it you know I wouldn't I wasn't looking to to get around the issue so that we could become yeah, closer right. friends or you know what I mean like right, right. you know but
3: yeah it's interesting because it's a little bit of both and right like. There's clearly opportunities that we need to take. Mm. You know, God will lay a person yeah. or a situation or you find yourself and you clearly proclaim your faith. Totally. Clearly. I mean those those moments happen as well. So it's not I don't think it's either or. I just think in our daily lives that that relational work is Yeah. You know, I think at like airplanes, like <laughs> how many faith conversations have <laughs> yeah, had, yeah. like it happens all the time, you know? It's like you're reading a book, you're not even trying to you're just being you, right? Mm-hmm. And you're reading, oh, what you reading? Like, oh, jeez. <laughs> <I know. laughs> Here we go. <laughs> right. Yeah. And well, it, you know, God uses those moments and I'll never they're forget. all, I mean, I think of guys that, um, that I know that used to travel into the city on the train when that used to be a thing.
2: <laughs> Pre-COVID.
3: Yeah, pre-COVID. And uh, I mean, really powerful stories of just, they got seated next to somebody on a crowded train and and then over the course of several weeks, they would just wind up, they kept sitting together intentionally. They looked for each other. And then it was, you know, 45 minutes in or whatever every single day. And it was this conversation and questions and, um, yeah, I, I mean, I know one, uh, a story of one person they would pass by a week in college every single day. And they just asked, what is for Christ and his kingdom mean? Because that's what it says on the bottom of the yeah. sign. Like they're waiting at the thing and you can see the school and that just sparked this dialogue that went on for weeks and weeks and weeks.
1: It's Have really cool. Have you guys ever had the experience where someone's trying to convert you?
3: Oh, yeah. D- yes. So, when you say, it's, well, I've had it with like Jehovah's Witness oh, yeah. type folks where are like, well, that's not actually what the Bible says. And you're like, oh, great. Here we go. So I, <laughs> I was sitting on a plane
1: next to somebody who was a part of the Maharishi Institute oh, yeah. of Transcendental Meditation.
2: What? And they
1: used to be in the airport. That was like their... That was their space? Yeah. So he was, this guy was next to me on the plane, and and I found myself thinking, aside from what you think, do you really care for me? Hmm. Or do you just want me to buy in and agree with you? And I just, I, it's really important that people, wait, uh, people come away knowing we love them. Uh, truth matters, hmm. uh, but it's best communicated in, 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 a, in a loving way. Hmm. So, yeah.
0: But One time when I was on a plane, I was reading uh, Desiring God, and, and the tagline is Matt like, has his, his, I, I'm a Piper a, fan. He
3: was actually paid by a Piper. I was, totally. <laughs> John's book sales have dipped, and he
0: yeah, reached totally. out to Matt. Totally. <laughs> uh, you no, know, but I was reading Desiring God, and the, the tagline is Christian Hedonism. Yeah. And I I would I don't even You're think I was reading in Cancun it.
3: Cancun on the plane. <laughs> yeah, totally, totally. <laughs> Planes full of spring breakers. <laughs>
0: margaritas to the glory of God. No. Okay, <laughs> delighting in God. Thro- no. Um, no, no, no. no. Uh, so the book I just had this book sitting out and this woman saw it and was really she's like oh Christian hedonism what is that yeah. you know. And when she found out that that wasn't some <laughs> new sect, it wasn't some new idea, then she totally got disinterested in it and was just like, oh, okay. And when I was like, no, it's it's not. We it's take just the these idea. crystals and we wear them on our back. <laughs> I know, I know. We... That was interesting. Anyway, um, back to the, to bring it back around though, I in that five-year span, I don't believe anyone ever approached me in the band and said, tell me about your faith. I, that just, that's not the way it played out. So- yeah. But I don't. I would. But I would also wouldn't say that that didn't happen. Mm-hmm. Faith was still shared. So yeah. I hope that's an encouragement to the person who's asking this. Um, okay, uh, next question, Kelly. Is baptism necessary for going to heaven? Do I have to be baptized?
1: <laughs> Great question. I, I would say no. We don't have to be baptized. Uh, we're saved apart from anything we do, including baptism. Paul wrote that we're saved by God's grace through faith. This is not of ourselves. It's something God is doing. We, I love the song we sang at the end of service, what he's done. Mm-hmm. Someone came down after the service and said, I'm so glad it's about what he's done because <laughs> I behaved really poorly this morning <laughs> towards my spouse. Aww. And uh, we were praying together and okay. we're saved apart from anything that we do so that no one can boast, right? But just because baptism doesn't save us doesn't mean it's unimportant. So Jesus was baptized. Um, it did, certainly it didn't save Jesus. It didn't provide merit to Jesus, but he did participate in it and he commands that we participate in it. So as followers of Jesus, we're gonna want to be identified with him, not because we must, but because it, it's joyful to be identified with him, to follow. So he commanded it, he participated in it. It brings us joy to live as he lived. Do you guys remember your baptism? Oh
2: yeah. Anthony, we, you, nope. Go ahead. Were
1: you baptized as yeah. an adult? Matt? Yeah. 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 Yeah.
0: yeah.
1: Good. Simone, yeah. what? Were you doing?
2: I, well, I was going to say the same thing. Anthony and I were baptized together. Oh, that's um, cool. right. Cool. Under, so was Jennifer and I. Yeah. I mean, there, so tell me if this is similar. There was a sense of um, people already know that we're believers, and you know we've, you know we've kind of we look like quote unquote that we're strong in our faith, and um, it felt a little bit embarrassing to get. I felt embarrassed to sign up for the baptism because I thought this is gonna reveal. Yes, yes. (laughs) And so um, that was such a powerful part of our story of getting baptized. So I'm I'm literally wanting to share this because if there's any adults out there who are wondering is it too late or are people gonna think that I'm not the strong Christian that I've presented to be or whatever it is, it was such a powerful moment for Anthony and I, both, you know, individually, but also as a couple and it was, we were in Mexico of all places on a mission trip, not Christian, he, 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 he he, he, I can't even say <laughs> the word. On um, a mission trip and the missionary there baptized us and it was amongst other adults. So there was this, like the shame was kind of lifted from, I, I don't want to speak for Anthony if he felt the same way as I did because he was baptized as an infant mm. as a Catholic. Okay. Um,
0: yes, yeah, so was I. Yeah, yeah okay.
2: Yeah. So anyway, it just was um, so powerful and I, I just would encourage any other adult that's feeling any way that I felt at the moment of this like embarrassment or shame that you're not baptized yet. Like it's just it's it's a it's a beautiful experience for you and in, in Christ. And I would really highly encourage yeah. someone who's thinking about it to do it.
0: And it also gives like your your community around you. Yes. Such a like if they come and they see Celebrate, it it's such yes. a celebration. Yeah. I, I remember mine so vivid. I was twenty seven and I was had started kind of going to this church and I got plugged into this small group um of and all the small group folks were probably plus 60 65 they'd been in the church forever a couple of them were were elders one was the senior pastor like it was just I was like taking in all this information like a fire hose you know and then and when I they all came to it was just a baptism after a service type of thing and and they all—they were all there. It was so cool. Like, I felt so loved. It was just powerful. It was really, really cool. So to someone's point, like if you're a, an adult and you are, you know, maybe feeling a little apprehension or nervousness about doing it, man, there's also another component about it. It is, it's just the best party for everyone <laughs> involved to be a, uh,
1: to witness it. Mm. That's awesome. Let me know if you want, if you're out there listening, you want mm-hmm. to be baptized, just sh- shoot an email to a staff member. It'd be great. Yeah. Our one announcement today is to encourage you to register and be a part of the brave book discussion if you're a parent who feels overwhelmed by the current cultural climate and the rate of change in culture that's perhaps feels overwhelming to coach your kids, lead your kids, help your kids follow Jesus, this book is a great little book written by Alistair Bagg, and we're going to talk about it. So at the very least, I'd encourage you to buy the book, but it would be great to have you in the discussion. I think we have 15-ish signed up already. We would love to have you there. It's going to take place on Sunday afternoons in May, so sign up online and
0: we'll see you there. Okay, uh, next one. Couldn't help but think of how tempting it continues to be the religious leaders to profit off of religion. Seems like Jesus could still say to some churches that the church looks more like a den of thieves than a place of prayer. No specific question,
1: just musings. Yeah, this listener doesn't ask a particular question, but I did find the musing valuable. Mm -hmm. I think it's something churches and pastors need to be very careful about not to use the platform of ministry to grow rich on. Uh, I, I'll never forget um, one of my favorite pastors named Stuart Briscoe, um, rolling up at a fundraiser. He had been invited. He, so he's a, he ministered for 40 years in, outside Milwaukee. He had a church probably, he uh, was a shepherd of a, probably 7,000 people, five or six campuses, and he, uh, he had been invited down to Wheaton to do a fundraising talk for Outreach Community Ministries, I believe it was. And I was eager to hear him speak and um, have good memories. Sherry and I were married in that church. Anyway, uh, he was late and um, he rolls up in a Toyota Tercel. And if I'm remembering correctly, I think those cars had three cylinders. It was basically like driving a, a tin can. And he's in his 70s at that point. In his 70s, had been leading for 40 years, a very influential church in the Milwaukee area, and it's the humblest of transportation. Then he pulls up to the front, opens the hatch to the Tercel, and he starts lugging his books in. They had asked him to bring his books, and, and so he's carrying his own books in, and I jump in to help him carry his books. I just I found him... It feels like he has run a good race. I don't know him personally, um, but it just—I just was impressed with his humility, his willingness to serve. He uh, that we have somebody in the church, Jim Schoberg, who tells the story of serving in South America. And Stuart and his wife Jill ministered to missionaries all over the globe. And they were having a conference and looking for a speaker. And Jim said, "Well, I'll reach out to Stuart Briscoe." And there was a, a kind of an audible. Audible guffaw in the room, like he'll never come down here. Uh, he's too big, too busy. Well, Jim reached out to him. I hope I'm remembering this story correctly. And uh, sure enough, Stuart came, came and served it just uh, upon request and eager to to be a part. And so I just really find his ministry convincing. But I'm sad to say there are there are certainly examples in in the church world where folks are getting rich, getting rich off the ministry of the gospel. And it's a trap. Um, it's a trap. And Paul talks about the trap um, that we can run the risk of um, cultivating a love for money that, that draws us into ruin and destruction, First Timothy 6.8. So we just have to be really careful. What do you guys say to the folks who, you know,
0: they, they think about this? kind of thing. And it, it just brings so much discouragement that they kind of start to fade in their faith of church in general. Like, well, this just can't work. Like this is just not going to, just, not going to work. Like this, this just seems to happen to every church that gets to a certain size or whatever. It's every time you open the, you know, Christianity Today article or any publication, you're going to see something. I just, maybe this just isn't the way it's supposed to be.
3: I would say yes. It's mm-hmm. not the way it's supposed mm-hmm. to
1: be. <laughs> I would say, I would encourage them from time to time, people do this. They'll show up at the church and they'll want to know, how is money handled at Glowing Bible Church? It's a, it's an important issue for them. And I think that's a fair question. It's something we try to hit hard in the membership class. Here's how salaries are set at Glowing Bible Church. Uh, staff do not set their own salaries. The elder board sets the salaries. Salaries at Glowing Bible Church um, are... They have an objective element to them and a subjective element. In, fact, in other, in other words, we benchmark salaries based on cost of living and in other we we buy into a survey that helps us identify what's a reasonable salary. Um, and so we also have intellectual property rights policies here at Glow and Bible Church, so that if uh, Matt writes a, a best-selling worship song, um, there's there's an ownership and an understanding of how those monies will be used. And uh, we're, not, we're not paying our staff. Um, we, we, don't, we don't salary our staff in order that they can write and publish and, and get wealthy off of their time spent here at the church. So I think it's important that if people are discouraged about money, and I think there's plenty of room to be discouraged, that people ask those questions uh, about the church they're attending and, and find some comfort in it.
2: We had a really cool um, moment, whatever, last week with our, one of our women at Naomi's house at our new day program. And um, <clears throat> this, is, this is to that person who's asking, you know, what does this look like to not, you know, what's the opposite? So sh- to share a positive story, um, not directly related to the church, but it was a Christian leader in our community who volunteers with us, who's resourced, you know, she's, um, She's, she's great, and she goes deep with our women. And one of our women works for her and stole $1,000. So that's a significant amount of money um, from a woman who works for the woman I'm speaking of. And um, so the woman in our program was confronted on it, and she denied it at first. And, of course... I have to give the context that this woman has been homeless for most of her teenage years and exploited and trafficked in DuPage County. And she's, um, in our program now living in one of our apartments in the independent living program. So her fight or flight is a hundred percent. She's always constantly looking for danger and how to survive. She's still in survival mode. That's why she's with us. So she still has this money. We confront her. She denies it. Our staff says, well, we actually have the money and, um, you know, fairly confident that this is the situation and, and why we think that maybe it was you who stole it. And so she then she confesses and says, I want out of this program and I never want to go back to my job. Mm-hmm. So defensive off the bat. And um, this is where I love the gospel, not just what we do at the MSS, but this is the gospel. And she, so our staff says, um, we actually don't want you to leave. We'd love for you to stay in the program and we'll work with you so that you're not in a place where you feel like you have to steal $1,000. Um, if you see it or if you're tempted or if you're desperate, you know, what is going on that we can help walk alongside of you? So she says, okay, I'll stay and I'll give the money back, but I don't want to see my employer. And again, our staff says, well, we really encourage you to take the money to your employer and apologize and let her know your, your circumstances and why this happened to you. And um, we have a feeling she'll welcome you back onto her, on her team if you, if you do this. And so she says, okay, so our staff is praying behind the scenes for this confrontation. And sure enough, this young woman, she's like 20, 21 years old, um, goes up to her employer. They sit down at, at our space and she, you know, says, I'm I am sorry. I stole this money and here's why. And, um, this woman just embraces her mm. and hugs her and says, um, thank you so much for giving this back. And, um, I've, you're on next week's shift. You know, please join us. Like, I want to walk alongside of you as you grow in this area. And they ended up doing um, double Dutch jump roping together, to because um, the young woman we're working with has kind of this developmental. She's even younger than she actually is because of her trauma. And so it was a way for them to be uh, unified. And then this, the employer was able to pray over her before the conversation was over and took the money back. And wow. this, this, it was just this powerful story of what happens when we meet people with grace and um, how that, I don't know where this woman's gonna go on her faith journey. I don't know if she's gonna give her life fully to Jesus. I don't know if she's gonna be with us for another week and move on. There's, there's no telling, but I just know that that moment that experience for her where she was met with grace and forgiveness. And it, that was all offered to her, not because she had earned it, but because it was the the gospel flowing through both our staff and this employer. It was so powerful. I, I don't even know if I'm adequately telling the story, but um, I don't know. So it just makes me think of this person who's feeling a little jaded and like the sure. church has burned me or I've seen other people get burned because it does happen. But when it goes right and it's when the beautiful. Holy Spirit is— you know, leading the way, and Mm -hmm. that's where lives are changed, Mm -hmm. and um, yeah, Mm -hmm. I couldn't be more excited about what God's doing in this girl's heart. It's a great story. Yeah, it's awesome.
3: I think of so, there's so many stories, more stories like that, right, that just, they just go untold in the life of the church, big church, like the church, and then individual churches as well, and the, what gets in the articles that Matt, you know, you talked about was like, those stories don't get published. Like we were, we were kind of joking about um, the March Hill podcast, which was a while ago now, but they need to now do another podcast on a church that hasn't imploded, that did, you know, like let's tell the other side of mm-hmm. the, the rise and the continued faithfulness of... Wait, yeah. they are doing that? No, they, no. they oh, need to. Oh, right. you know, yeah, like, yeah. I was
2: like, I haven't heard about it. And clearly no
3: one will listen. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. it doesn't have the... Yeah.
2: Doesn't sell. Yeah, it
3: doesn't mm-hmm. sell, and I, I get it. I, I, you know, I'm not so idealistic that I, I don't get it. But it's just interesting. I mean, a couple of days ago, you shared about a, like a little clip of an article that somebody posted of a pastor who just retired in a, 40 years at one church. Yeah, 40. I mean, just stories like that. You just the don't... blurb. The blurb was, "You'll never know
1: this guy's name. Yeah, he never spoke at any conferences, but he he he, he shepherded for 40 years at one
3: church. Yeah, that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and." We've talked a lot about the the danger of the the limelight and too much money and seeking after that and using the platform in in improper ways and those sorts of things. But I think of the the genuine work that gets done and the faithfulness and the and there's even here at Glenole Bible Church, there's we've (laughs) taught we talked last week about it. Like every day there's opportunities here off the platform in homes and people that stop by and all those sorts of things that are happening to um, care for people, share the gospel. I mean, that's more of yeah. what happens, what gets exposed and shown to the world is yeah. often some of the worst. I
0: you know, we, we talked about this uh, a few months back when the that podcast had come out, but like the second or third episode in, I, I was driving my car. I, I said it out loud. I, I asked myself, why am I listening to this? <laughs> and I'm, I don't mean that in a judgmental way, yeah. like you shouldn't, no one should listen to it. Like but I, I was motives. literally yeah. asking myself, why am I listening to this? Yeah. Because for the, the most part of it, it just felt like I was listening to it with a box of popcorn, just eating it, mm-hmm. you know, just like, oh man. This is some juicy stuff. What else stuff. did they do? Oh yeah. man, what's the next one gonna be? You know, like, or like, am I honestly trying to listen to this to to learn, to learn and to yeah?
1: Someone in the Mars Hill wake um, came up with the term "failure porn." Mm. So, oh, that's a good one. Yeah, wow. the, the notion that. The church needs to be careful not to be aroused by other people's failure yeah. hmm. and gathering around these failures to look at them. Yeah. And, we, and I mean, it's, that's it's, what we do it every As a society, way. we like, do Well, that. that's we, the yeah. Jerry Springer show. There we we just, watch yes. Jerry Springer to yes. say, oh my gosh, at least I'm not like them. Mm-hmm. You know, even on the highway.
2: Right. It's um, an
3: accident on the, right. you know, it's like, oh, <laughs> what did they do? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's... Yeah
2: making me think really of right? not to open a can of worms. I'll open it and then close it real fast. But the whole Will the whole Will Smith thing, Ooh, this yeah. is like we're watching, I'm watching this every day to see what's right. going to happen next, now, how he's going to handle it, what the, you know, the whole thing. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. It's fascinating.
0: Now, There's, I do have some thoughts on that.
2: Though. Okay, well, no. <laughs> sorry. Sorry, I told you I was going to close it. No, 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 but you know. it's an example of me. I can't I, put it down. Like, I'm I just,
0: just want to say their marriage I has been pushed be on us as a, as a model. So that's the only <laughs> reason why I feel like it's fair game to be talking about it no, I'm serious. Their marriage who has, been, known has Matt been put had up. Okay, but wait. I'm but just but wait. glad to say I, I have didn't a friend it live
3: because I've never watched the.
0: Author. I didn't see it live, even. Yeah, <laughs> I, ha- I have a friend I went to high school with yeah. who is somewhat of a quasi celebrity um, in the black community. He does shows. He does interviews he was in on that red table thing that they do. And I'm just saying, like, they, so I see a lot of his posts and they, their marriage has been thrust on a lot of our culture as a marriage to emulate, as a marriage but to the, respect, even, as a... And even some, with the
2: unfaithfulness?
0: Openness. Yes, the, open. uh, the openness. It's, it's, an, open it's an open marriage. They're so enlightened and they're <laughs> also so... Also known as unfaithful. Progressive, I know. <laughs> also I know. known as adulterous. <laughs> So that's yeah. otherwise Don't get I'm me like. wrong,
2: I'm a big fan of both of them, but I mean, I'd not, right. I wouldn't analyze their marriage.
0: Right, but that I mean, yeah. they, you know, like.
3: I just think the memes are funny. Yeah, there's, oh, it's there's...
0: a little
2: soon. Jeez. <laughs>
0: okay, we're getting on the <laughs> <laughs> I, I have something to say. It's got to be offline. i it's my
2: fault. I said I was going to open it and close it, but. <laughs> Is it closed now? Yeah, all closed. right, all right. We have one well, last you're the question. You said fill your porn. It's like <laughs> immediately made me think of relevant. That's a
0: good, that's know. a good term though. A yeah. term that yeah. we should probably be keep... bloating. Yeah. yeah. Um, last question real quick. If you could deliver a message to believers in Ukraine, what would
1: you say? Yeah, I would say, you know, my, our heart uh, breaks for what's going on and believers in Russia as well. I think there are mm-hmm. crimes being perpetrated on the Russians um, as well uh, by Putin's Putin. leadership. So I, I would say things like in this world, you will have trouble. Take heart. Christ has overcome the world. I would say Take heart, God never leaves you or forsakes you. I would say, rest assured, uh, the church is praying for you. And I know that Glom Bible Church has uh, financially supported agencies that we know are on the ground there uh, providing aid. And so we're, we're tangibly in the battle, trying to support the effort. What a hard, hard, hard situation. Yeah.
0: Praying, Please pray for it every day that it would end. All right, well, that's all the questions we have for you today. If you have any further questions, comments, or concerns, don't hesitate. Text the Next Level Podcast at 630 474
3: 6164. Our podcast is dedicated to answering listener questions on two levels answering specific questions about last Sunday's sermon and also general questions regarding broader topics within the Christian faith.
2: We love God and believe that Scripture is a primary means for our getting to know Him. And our hope is that the podcast extends the learning opportunity for all who want to know God better.
1: Thank (laughs) you for joining us, and thank you, listeners, for tuning in to The Next Level. Boom! Prophecy.